Good morning. Some of you are really wired. You can stay standing. Some of you, some of you already know that. Some of the new students are not so sure, but I'm going to have you stand because we're going to pray. And uh, I always think it's important to honor the Word of God before we begin to lean into it, to learn what it has to teach us. And it's an honor to be here. I am part of the family, like Jess says. We consider this a home away from home for ourselves as a family. And not just because we made some great friends in your pastors, but because honestly, we feel a connection between what God is doing in our church and what God is doing in this church. We're very similar. We're from Bradford. You're from Rockford. And even the history of our towns are very similar. Even the kind of the backdrop of of the history of the cities that we are part of, the areas are very similar, very similar economically, very similar from industry and ways that your city got on the map all those years ago. And so there's a lot of crossover. And I guess that's why we've become your people and you've become our people. And so I'm sharing today like I always do as family. <clears throat> and I'm asking God to do something today in your family. Today, some of you really need God to intervene in your family. Some of you are really struggling, whether it's financially or it's in your marriage or it's with a child right now that is really just not where you hoped or desired that they would be. And God's going to do something for you in your personal circumstance today. This is a corporate word, but I believe it's a personal word. I believe that if you decide to lean in, that God will personally meet you in your circumstance today. So I need us to be ready for that, right? It's going to require you to do something, and I'll explain that as I open the message that I want to share with you today. But I think we just get ourselves ready because God's already ready. So God, we thank you for your word. And God, I know today that for some, this is a turnaround day. That God, there's an intervention today spiritually that you have. Sense God, that your hand is extended over the lives represented in this room, over the marriages, over the health situation, over the financial crisis, over the business, over the unemployment. God, there is a sense that you are hovering by your Spirit in the room today. And God, I pray that we would understand today that the release is not actually on your end today, it's on ours. And I pray today that there would be action that follows this Word. That we would not merely be hearers of the Word, but we would be doers of the Word today. And God, I pray that there'll be a moment today where a miracle becomes manifest because of an action that we agree to. I pray for boldness today. I pray for courage today. I pray for a sense of getting back up today. I pray for a new sense on those that are weary to lean in today. I pray they would shake off the summer restness and actually get a little restless in our spirit right now so that we can wrestle out of your hand the miracle that we desperately need. Thank you, God, you're already moving. So we honor your word today by giving it our full attention. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may take your seats. 
At the end of the message, like I just mentioned a moment ago, I'm going to ask us to have a moment of response. And that's why I want you to be ready at the beginning of the message, because I don't want to spring it on you at the end. I think you've got to get ready to respond. You've got to get ready to lean in. And sometimes it's just helpful to know that's the journey that we're going to go on today, where you actually get to respond at the end and ask God to get involved in some areas of your life. I'm going to speak to your message today that, that's going to sound a little counterintuitive. It could almost sound a little disrespectful, um, but I'm going to explain it because today I'm going to ask you to get your manners out of the way of your miracle. I, I think we have become so uh, trained by our culture that we don't realize how much it actually has stepped into and began to affect actually God's kingdom. That actually our culture often and our ways and our way of doing things has got in the way of God's way of doing things. And the culture around us has, has trained us, has given us a set of manners that actually a lot of times get in the way of God actually being able to break into our lives. We have become too polite. We have become quietened down. We become those who sit and don't say anything. We become those who behave in the way that our world tells us we should behave and more and more the church has lost its voice because the culture around us has said you don't have a voice and if you do have a voice we don't want that voice here here or here and we have allowed the culture around us to quiet us down and I think because of that it has shrunk our encounter I think because of our infatuation often with the world's ways, it has restricted our intimacy of learning how to live God's ways. I think our culture has quietened down our prayers and exaggerated our problems. I think we've weakened our worship and depleted our gratitude. And all of those things mean that when we come into a presence of God like here, we have to do a lot of work to get our manners out of the way of our miracle, our culture out of the way of God's kingdom. And oftentimes it takes a lot for us to actually realize, no, we should be the ones that are giving Him our best worship, our best praise, our greatest thanks, no matter what our world looks like right now. He deserves all the glory, all the praise, no matter if it's a good day or a bad day. He deserves our honor. He deserves our applause. He deserves our worship, whether you feel like it or not. And yet our culture begins to train us to do different. Some of you have lost your voice. You're going to find it again today. Some of you have become so polite. And today you're going to get actually unpolite in the best possible way. Because our manners can get in the way of our miracle, our pleas and our thank yous are all well and good. But there are times when our desperation and our praise needs to replace our nice pleases and thank yous. I don't know how you were raised in the natural. We all were raised with different manners, right? We all had different rules growing up. And so maybe you came from a house where it was like no elbows on the table. Or maybe you came from a household where you were told, you know, no talking with your mouthful. Or maybe you come from a household where it's no devices at mealtime, right? We all are raised with different manners. But there's one manner that we're all taught about, and I'm sure every one of you at some point was told about, that I want to kind of unpack today, unpick today, and allow you to 
to actually step into breaking this manner spiritually in your life. And that is, we all were probably at some point told it is highly rude to interrupt someone, right? We were told you don't interrupt. We were told that at school. We were told that at home. We're told that when we're out with a group of people, you're told as a child, be quiet. You don't interrupt. In fact, the interruption is considered so rude that before you interrupt someone, you actually have to ask for forgiveness. We begin an interruption with, I'm so sorry, pardon me, forgive me. We've not even said what it is yet, but we're already sorry that we're going to say it. And so we're trained in a way. It reminds me of a time in our home not so long ago. We had a group of friends over and we were all chatting and we were hanging out. And this group of friends were all talking. And I was downstairs talking to a group and, and a very polite friend. I have a friend that's super polite. He's called Timothy. He's very polite. He turns up in a suit for everything. I mean, he's really, really proper. Great manners. And I remember Tim came downstairs and I was talking to a group of people and Tim came downstairs and one of the people in the group was his wife. And I could see that she was getting frustrated that he was about to interrupt me because that was highly rude and he should know better. But he came up behind, he's like, excuse me, excuse me. And she's like giving him the look that a wife gives a husband, you know the one I mean? Like the one that like, say it one more time and we will be talking about this later. But he said it one more time, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. So I was like, Tim, you want me? He's like, yes. And so he, he like beckons me quietly because he's so polite and you know, don't want to interrupt you. He goes, I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but your kitchen table is on fire. <laughs> Literally, I ran upstairs the candle had fallen over, the tablecloth was on fire, the wood was burning. I start screaming, we're like, Tim, what is wrong with you? Why didn't you say something sooner? Why are you so polite? And here's what I want you to know. The enemy wants your house to burn down, wants your marriage to burn down wants your business to burn down, and he hopes that you will be too polite to interrupt Jesus. Today I'm going to tell you, you've got to get back to interrupting Jesus. You've got to understand that you have to go and interrupt him sometimes, and it might not look pretty, and it might not be well-mannered, but it'll come from a place of desperation. And I'm telling you, you have to understand how to interrupt Jesus on a daily basis, because Jesus is highly interruptible. He is not going to be mad at you for not having good manners. He's not going to ask you to apologize for interrupting him. Jesus knows the difference from when people are around him and when people interrupt him. And today you may be around the things of Jesus, but I'm asking you, do you know how to interrupt Jesus? Do you know how to get his attention involved in your life? And we have to understand that there's a rule that we get to actually apply when it comes to interrupting Jesus. <laughs> See, if I am anywhere in the world doing anything, if I'm speaking, if I'm on the front row about to go speak, if my cell phone beeps and the number on the screen are my daughter or my son, guess what? I'm gonna take the call. Why? Because relationship trumps rules. 
when my kids need me, I respond. And you need to understand, you can interrupt God anytime you want because relationship trumps rules. He wants you as his son and his daughters. He wants you to come to him and interrupt him. In fact, the Bible tells us so many times that we have a full pass to interrupt him. It says in Jeremiah 29, it says, then you will call on me. What's calling? It's interrupting. It's saying, hey, Jesus. You will call on me and you will come and pray to me and I will hear your voice. You're about to go into 21 days of prayer. I'm telling you, you can either pray like this. Thank you, Jesus. I'm so sorry to bother you, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Or you can say, Jesus, I have come to interrupt you. I've come to interrupt you for our community and for our world and for my children and for my marriage. Then you will call on me and I will hear your voice and I will listen to you. And then with a deep longing, you will seek me and require me. I love this next line. As a vital necessity and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord. That's Jeremiah 29. What about Hebrews 4 verse 16? Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. I'm telling you, we got to get back our boldness and our confidence as the church of Jesus Christ. We have let this last season around the globe knock something out of us that we must get back. We must get back our tenacity and our resilience and our confidence and our courage and our boldness. Why have we become so meek and mild and scared and frightened and fearful and shrinking back when we are the army of the living God? Matthew 11, verse 28, come to me, interrupt me if you are weary and burdened. If anyone is weary today, you might have a vacation, great, but your vacation will not replenish what this replenishes because when you interrupt him, he will give you real rest. He'll teach you how to take on his burden, learn from him, how to walk in the ways that God has already set out for you. We need to be those that interrupt Jesus because relationship trumps rules. And so I want to give you three examples of people in the Bible that interrupted Jesus. And because they interrupted Jesus, their whole world changed. See, a lot of times we read the Bible and we read about the miracles of Jesus and I don't know what we think. I don't know whether you think that Jesus got up in the morning and he had a schedule. And he's like, okay, here's my schedule for the day. Here's my diary appointments. At, at, at 9 a.m., I will heal this blind person. At, at 9.30, I will go over and touch this leprous person. At 10 o'clock, I will go and help this person. I don't know if we think that that's how it worked. But can I tell you, there were thousands of people that needed miracles. But the ones we read about are the people that interrupted Jesus. Jesus' miracles were not his choosing. There were people drawing on him for a miracle that they needed that day. His whole ministry was where interruptions happened. 
And today, your miracle can be that at the other side of your interruption. There can be many people in the room, but I'm telling you, only certain ones interrupt Jesus. There could be many needs in a room, but only so many know how to interrupt Jesus. And the first person that we read about, the story is well known to many of us, I'm sure. But maybe you need to look at it through the glass of interrupting Jesus today. And her story is in Mark 5, verse 25. And it's the story of a woman with an issue of blood. A woman who had interrupted other people to try and help her. She'd called for doctors, but they had not been able to cure her. She'd asked people to help her and she paid money to try and get healed. But still she was left worse. And now she was left with no finances to add to the problem. And she was doubled up and she was in pain. And I don't know what it's going to take for you to get to the place where you stop asking everybody else. Because some of us, the truth is, we'll interrupt our friends before we'll interrupt Jesus. We'll go and tell our other group friends before we'll actually go and seek the face of Jesus. And sometimes the only explanation I can give you for that is that maybe, just maybe, we don't want to interrupt Jesus. Because when you interrupt Jesus, he actually gets involved. (laughs) And a lot of times we don't want to interrupt Jesus because we don't want what Jesus is about to tell us to actually be something we have to do. So when we interrupt Jesus about our bad marriage and he says, thank you for interrupting me because I already knew it was bad. You know it's bad. She knows it's bad. But now you've interrupted me, asked me to get involved. Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to tell you to get over your stinking attitude. I'm going to tell you to deal with your temper. I'm going to tell you that you need to actually get some forgiveness. I'm going to tell you that you have to drop the offense. See, that's why we don't want to interrupt Jesus, because Jesus gets involved. So we'd rather interrupt our friend who's going to say, yeah, I had a bad marriage too, and my husband was a nightmare too, and I feel exactly like you too, and yet if I were you, that's what we'd rather have. She tried everybody else. She tried the doctors. She tried the ones that were promising her healing. She'd given her money away. She tried everybody else. And and this day she finds out that Jesus is gonna be in the neighborhood and something inside her snaps. And she just says to herself, I don't have much, but I have a stretch. I just have a stretch. That's all I have. I have a stretch left in me that maybe if I stretch in the direction of Jesus, something will change. She gets her body up and she begins to move through the crowd. And as she gets towards where she knows Jesus is, she gets ready to interrupt Jesus with a stretch. And we read in the story that Jesus, as he's right there, as she's right there reaching out, Jesus realizes someone just interrupted me. It says in Mark 5 that there was a large crowd, just like the room today. There was a large crowd and they were all pressing around Jesus 
Just like you were pressing your hands in the air in worship or, or pressing into Jesus in that moment. There were lots of people in the room just like there are now. But this woman, she didn't just bump into Jesus. She interrupted Jesus. And it says that she'd suffered a great deal. But when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and she stretched out and she touched his cloak because she thought to herself, if I just interrupt Jesus, maybe, just maybe, something will change. <laughs> Listen to this, verse 30. At once. Like not, not, not in an hour's time, not the next day, at once, Jesus realized someone just interrupted me. And watch the disciples. He turns around and he says to the disciples, who touched me? And the disciples are like, Jesus, what do you mean who touched you? Everybody's touching you. Everybody's bumping into you. Don't you know today is the first day of the new leadership college students? They're bumping into you. Don't you know that this family from over here, they bumped into you? Don't you know that you know there's all these people come back from vacation? They're bumping into you. I mean, Jesus, don't be ridiculous. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. I know those students bumped into me. I know that family bumped into me, but she interrupted me. Like she came on purpose. And he swivels around. <laughs> and what is the first word out of his mouth to the one that interrupted him? Daughter. Why? Because relationship trumps rules. She just stretched. And today, I don't know what your circumstance is, but if you got a stretch, it's enough. If you got a stretch to interrupt him, if you got a stretch of I'm going to try again, if you got a stretch of I'm going to call on his name like I've never called on it before, if you got a stretch for your marriage, if you got a stretch for your wayward child, if you got a stretch for your financial crisis, I'm telling you, Jesus knows the difference. You students that are just beginning your term, you can either be here and bump into Jesus occasionally, or you can be here because you decided this will be a game-changing year for me. I am here to interrupt Jesus. You choose. You choose. Maybe you say, well, Charlotte, you know, I, I don't feel I even have a stretch in me. I feel so worn out. I feel like I can't even get that far. I feel like I am stuck and have been stuck for so long, I have no more words, I have no more prayers. That's okay. Because sometimes we interrupt him with a stretch, and sometimes we interrupt him on a stretcher. Because there was another person in the Bible, and they needed a miracle. And the story's in Mark 2. And it was a man, and literally, he was stuck, he was paralyzed, he couldn't move. He had no mobility of his own. He couldn't get out like she did. He had no stretch in him. But he needed a miracle. 
And when you don't have a stretch in you, you know what you need? You need stretcher carrying friends. <laughs> you need a friend like my friend, Alan. When I was at high school, there was a guy called Alan. I didn't know Alan. I didn't ask Alan to be my friend. But Alan sat next to me and he sat next to me in maths class. And I'm no mathematician. And Alan just one day decided that he would be my interrupting friend. And in the middle of maths lessons, Alan would just simply do this. Excuse me, sir. Hello? And the teacher would turn around. Yes, Alan. Charlotte has no idea what's going on in this lesson. I'm like, Alan, I did not tell you to say anything. Like, I'm like, we got 10 minutes left. I just nod my head when you nod your head. I just keep my face down and I'm out of here. I don't need maths in my life. I don't need this class. Like, like let's chill, chill, Alan. <laughs> 10 minutes later. Sir. Yes, Alan. Charlotte still has no idea what you just explained to her. She is so lost. Every single maths lesson, Alan became my personal interrupter. Because here's the thing, Alan did not want me to be in a place where I was listening, where I was absorbing, but I was not changing and I was not learning. Alan's like, I can't sit next to you and watch you in silence be lost. I have to get you help. And we all need to be Alans to one another. There are times when you need people to sit by your bedside and say, I'm sorry. But there are also times when you need people to not sit by your bedside, but pick your bed up and say, oh, I'm not sorry anymore because we're going to interrupt Jesus. You gotta be that kind of person. You need those people in your world. That's why you need to sign up and be in a small group and get around people who won't always tell you what you want to hear, but they will get you to the place where you're going to get the healing that you desperately need. You need the person that will say, I'll get you to Jesus. You need the one who will say, I'll carry you. You need to get on the phone today, some of you. And you need to call a friend who's not back in the house of God and say, what is the problem? If you don't come next week, I will personally show up on your drive and bring you to Jesus because you need an encounter. You need to be around people. You need to be in the presence of God. You need worship. You need prayer. You need ministry. We need to be the kind of people who care more about the breakthrough than we do about actually people's manners. And his friend showed up that day and I'm pretty sure he was laying on the floor like he had every other day, staring at the same ceiling, aware of the same limitations. But in walk, not one, not two, but four friends, one for each corner of that bed. And they looked at him and they said, I know you don't think that you are worth rescuing. And I know you don't think that you can get unstuck from the place where you've been living for so long, but I'm telling you, there is someone in the neighborhood. And if we just get you close to him, I'm pretty sure something's going to change. 
And I'm pretty sure he began to tell them all the reasons why they shouldn't interrupt Jesus. There's too many people. It's too awkward to carry me. It will be embarrassing for people to see the state I'm in. I don't want everyone to know my business. I'd rather just be a shut-in and stay inside. And when they got out of the door, guess what? There was a crowd. And guess what? The way to Jesus was blocked because when you get ready to interrupt Jesus, there'll always be interference. And your willingness to interrupt has to be higher and greater than the interference that will come your way. That's why when you desperately need to get to the house of God, your car breaks down or something happens or a family crisis happens and you're like, I know that I need to get where I get. Why all the interference? Because the enemy knows when you interrupt Jesus, you don't stay on your mat anymore. And when you get off your mat, you actually become to become mobile and become helpful and become one that can help other people. I'm telling you, you've got to get up off your excuses. You've got to get up out of your self-pity. You've got to get up from the place where you feel stuck and allow your life to be carried to the feet of Jesus. Oh, they interrupted Jesus that day and it wasn't quiet. <laughs> Jesus was mid-sermon. I mean, imagine that. It's not like you're interrupting Pastor Jer or me. Like this is Jesus preaching. You don't interrupt Jesus. And as he's teaching, a room full of people, debris starts falling on his head. And he looks up and they lower the man to the feet of Jesus. And you know what Jesus' first words out of his mouth were? Son. Son. Today, you're going to be well. Because relationship trumps rules. So we need interrupting friends. Maybe you have a stretch. Maybe you need a stretcher. Or finally, maybe you need today to rediscover your shout. Hmm. In Mark 10, verse 46, we read of a man that all his life had tried to interrupt people. He was a beggar, a blind beggar. He spent every day trying to interrupt someone to help him. As they passed him by, excuse me, excuse me, could you, could you let, give me some food? Could, anyone got water? He would beg for the basic things that other people took for granted. And this was his whole life. And then he hears that Jesus is in the neighborhood. And I guess he's tired from interrupting people that don't help him. But this day he decides, I'm just, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to get his attention somehow. And it says, Jesus was actually leaving town. And there was another large crowd. And there was a man called Bartimaeus. And he was sitting at the roadside begging like he always did. And when he heard that Jesus was nearby, he began to shout. 
Jesus, have mercy on me. Now watch this. Because when you get ready to find your shout, there's always a crowd that have an opinion. Be careful that you don't allow the crowd to determine how you live your life because crowds are fickle. And so the people are like, they begin to rebuke him and they say to him, be quiet. Stop shouting. Like, like chill, Christian. Like, stop, stop telling me what you believe. Like, like, be quiet, young person. Like, it's not cool. Like, like, shh. But Jesus, he knew that the shout was an interruption. And so Jesus stops because the shout interrupted him, even though he was leaving town. This wasn't on his schedule. And as he shouts, Jesus stops and says, call him. Watch the crowd. So the crowd went to the blind man and said, hey, cheer up, friend, on your feet. Let's go together to Jesus. Watch the crowd. They're so fickle. They tell you to be quiet, and now they think you're in Jesus' good books. They're your best friend. Some of you have let people tell you to stop shouting, and they don't care a thing about you. comes to Jesus and here's where I want to lead you to as I close this message. Jesus asks the weirdest question. He says, what do you want me to do for you? <laughs> I mean, it's obvious he's blind. It's obvious that he's a guy that's destitute. It's obvious what his physical need is. But Jesus wants to ask the question, if you're gonna interrupt me, I now need you to say why you want me involved and where you want me involved. Like, what do you want? And the blind man said, Rabbi, I wanna see. And Jesus simply says, then go, your faith has healed you. And immediately, immediately, he received his sight and began to follow Jesus along the road. I think we've just forgotten that relationship trumps rules. I think we've allowed our culture to make us quiet and down. I think we've got so weary of the season that we've been in, we've lost our willingness to even stretch. I think that some of us even feel like it's too far gone and we feel like that paralyzed man stuck in a situation. And for many of us, I think we've been conditioned to not shout, to be shushed by the crowd, to lose our voice. And I simply wanna remind you, church, that today Jesus is in the room and you are one in a crowd and you either get to walk out the way you came in or you get to interrupt Jesus. And when you interrupt Jesus, even if it's with a stretch, even if it's just with a friend that helps you lift your hand, even if it's with a Jesus, I'm telling you, 
When you interrupt Jesus, He's going to say to you, what do you want me to do for you? So, I already asked Pastor Jer if we could take a few more moments today because you don't need to rush anywhere right now. You need to interrupt Jesus. Like some of you are like, well, I don't really know what you mean. I'm telling you, you're, you need to change your posture. You need to change your position. You need to shake off all that apathy that's got on you. You need to actually stand to your feet. You need to begin to raise your voice. You need to actually say, I'm not going to live the next six months of my life with my marriage in this state. I'm not going to allow the enemy to take my child. I'm not going to live myself in this place of anxiety anymore. I'm going to interrupt Jesus. Jesus is in the room. He is up and down every aisle right now and he is right now asking who would like to interrupt me who would like to stretch to me who would like to shout to me who would like to answer the question what is it you need and so in this moment I want you if you know you need to interrupt Jesus I simply want you to lift your hands your hands are the first sign of okay and some of you it's as a couple some of you you know exactly it's for a child some of you for his business, some of it's for your future, some of it's for your mind. There's a battle in your mind right now. And as you're lifting your hands, I'm telling you, he's in the room, he is in the crowd, and the hands are like that woman's hand stretching for the hem of his garment, stretching for the hem of his garment. And as you do that, I'm going to begin to pray. But I don't want it just to be my words today. There is a shout in some of you that needs to come out. There is a calling the name of Jesus in some of you. You have lost your voice. You shout at the football. You shout at the Olympics. You shout in different scenarios. But why have you lost your shout to the one who is above all and over all? You've got to get your shout back. So I'm going to pray. And then you are going to use your own words as I'm praying to interrupt Jesus. God, you see every hand that is raised right now. God, the one that is stretching that feels weary, that feels beaten down by life. You see the one that is desperately trying to grab a hold of the hem of your garment. You see the one who feels like they need someone to lift them and lower them to your feet. You see the one who feels paralyzed by life, feels frozen by fear. You see the one who everyone's told to be quiet, but today is finding their shout. And as we lift our voice and we shout on your name, God, we come boldly before your throne of grace and we interrupt you Jesus we interrupt you for our families and our children and our marriages and our community oh God you are able you are more than enough you are awesome and we elevate you today and we lift our voice come on just for a minute let's worship come on Oh 
If you're saying, I need to interrupt Jesus and ask for forgiveness for my sins, I need Him today. Maybe you have run away from Him. You're a prodigal, but right now you're gonna come back to Him. Then simply all I need you to do is lift your hand high in the air because I tell you, you gotta be bold and say, you know what, God, I'm coming back today. I, I need forgiveness in this area. So many hands. If you're at home and you're watching this online somewhere, respond right where you are. He sees you right where you are. All these hands that are raised, you're interrupting Jesus specifically saying, I need forgiveness today. I want my life to count today. I want to get my heart right today. I need salvation today. I need forgiveness and I need a new start. Just put your hand on your heart and we're going to all pray this prayer together. So would you all repeat this after me? Dear Jesus, today I come boldly before the throne and I ask for forgiveness. I lay down my life and I receive your life. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. And thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Today, I am a child of God. That's as simple as it gets. All you did was interrupt the one and he comes into your life. Amazing. 